0: up? Thanks for to the Dogs of War podcast. I'm Joe Thomas, and you're
1: listening to the Dogs of War podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dogs of War podcast. Some more on Brown's podcast on the planet. You got Kevin and Raleigh. And today we have a ginormous guest joining us. And I just thought of this,
0: even though we've just been scrambling to prepare or we've been preparing for so long, whatever. We are celebrating a playoff birth. We are. That's like the second time we've done this. On this podcast, chat,
1: four years. Yes, five years now. Second or third time in my life. who better to have us joining than this gentleman right here? Let me introduce you real quick to him, folks. Born and raised in Hayward, California, by the Bay. Attended Emory College in Atlanta, getting a bachelor's and master's degrees in political science. That was a new one for me, Raleigh. That's intense. Started working working at McKinsey after college before realizing he wanted to pursue something a little more fun. So he launched the fantasyconsultant.com started getting a big subscriber base, and became a big name in the fantasy football arena, Raleigh. He relocated to Ohio because he was sick of warm weather and hosted a fantasy football radio show on ESPN 850 in 2005. By 2009, he was on TV with CBS 19 in Cleveland and Sports Time Ohio, was an on-site expert for the first-ever fantasy football super draft in Vegas. In 2009-2010, he co-hosted Fantasy Football Live with none other than Ashton Kutcher. We have to get into that one, because that one took me by surprise. Are you you punking me? And No, good one. In 2013, started hosting Cleveland Browns Daily, was a sideline reporter for the Browns, and now Browns Radio Color commentator alongside Jim Donovan for the last two seasons. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Nathan Zagura. Nate, truly appreciate you joining us, sir. It's a a big deal for us. We know how busy you are, so thanks for joining, and how are you?
2: I'm great. First of all, it's great to be with you guys. Big fan of of your work, obviously. And, you know, I'm on the group chat or multiple group chats where after the Browns win, we are just jonesing for the American Hustle video. Like, can't wait to get it. Whoever gets it first sends it around. Everybody goes nuts. And then obviously for me, the one week that I made it in onto the onto the radio part of it was all time. It was epic. So thank you for having me. How could things not be good? The Browns have already punched their ticket to the playoffs. You know, I was saying on Browns Daily earlier today, like we're used to week 18 games not meaning anything. We're not used to them not meaning anything because we're already locked into the playoffs. This is a great time. What a fun team. The city is on fire. It's just awesome to get to be a, a small part of everything that's going on.
1: I mean, we could end the episode right there. That was so I, good. I just... like, that was perfect. <laughs> that was a summary of where we're at, where we've been, where we are now. <laughs> Did I nail the uh, the path?
2: Yeah, that was good. That was good. The (laughs) only thing that you, that was, there was a period where after 19, I went and after with Ashton, I ended up having my own show on Sirius XM. I actually helped launch the Sirius XM fantasy sports radio channel. So I had the Sirius XM fantasy consultant. And then I was on uh, fantasy football today on CBS and then that other pregame show. And they launched that on CBS. And actually the first, my, I did the last hour. I did a fantasy hour on that pregame show. It was me and Ali LaForce. And Bart Scott. And they've no obviously deal, gone man. on to do tremendous things, both of them, which is awesome. No and big I think I'm doing all right here with the Cleveland Browns. Let's go. Wow.
0: I actually knew her in college. No big deal. LaForce went to Miami? Yeah. yeah. She dated my buddy Phil. She went to OU.
1: Oh, shout out Phil. Now, they... how did, real quick, before we get into some of the Brown stuff, how did you and Ashton Kutcher cross paths? And I would not have taken him as a fantasy or really a football guy.
2: Oh, he's a huge football guy, big Bears fan uh from iowa he's a huge bears fan loves football loves fantasy football and we had some mutual acquaintances who kind of connected us and so he was doing that show from his studios his company was catalyst and he's kind of always been at like the forefront of technology and the internet and and new kind of ways to reach an audience and so he was um doing a show basically from his studios online and uh brought me in to do that and so we did that for a few years together actually when the fantasy consult when i left the fantasy consult business I actually sold or while i was in it sold half of it to ashton and so we were partners uh in the fantasy consult for a while it was great he great dude uh learned a lot from him I wish I was half of, uh, as smart enough or had the ability to be the investor that he was back then because he is he's turned a little bit of cheddar into a whole lot of cheese well actually hes turned a lot of cheddar into even more cheese because he's done a great job with that stuff but he was always kind of like at the forefront of that so we did like live streaming over the internet in you know before that was even a thing it was it was awesome it was me him TJ who is now working on the Rich Eisen show uh, Justin Mooney we had a great time.
1: So it's a pretty small world right out there in the professional media landscape. I mean, you're dropping all these names that are still big players, obviously yourself as well. Like does everyone kind of know everyone to a certain extent or at least like a one degree of separation?
2: I think like once you've been in it for a long time, yeah, you get to know a lot of people, especially kind of in the NFL because you know, every year we're all at the combine together and at the combine, You know, everybody goes out at night, and you run in. It's a small city in Indianapolis. There are only, like, three places people are going, and so you run into everybody, and you get to know everybody. And if you've been around a while, yeah, you do, kind of, especially in the NFL media, I would say. Like, you – I probably at one point or another interacted with everybody who is on the sidelines, calling games or, you know, who covers the league, certainly from an NFL Network standpoint. We've got a couple of great Cleveland representatives at NFL Network and Chris Rose and Andrew Siciliano, who called some of the games this year with me as well. And and they're great guys. And so, yeah, you you, you really do kind of run into everybody. It is true.
1: Yeah, they both got to keep the, the as they both said, keep Jim's Seat warm for a couple games this year. Yeah. Chris Rose is actually friend of show, but on the show, um he Great lost a bet just like Nate did here. So his his nephew's like one of my
0: best friends from college. <laughs> oh, it's right? awesome. Every time um I and I was thinking about this for the past couple of minutes as a fantasy guy. Do you yeah. still have plural leagues that you're a part oh, yeah. of? Yeah. And yeah. W- What's your philosophy on drafting Browns players? Or I, I feel like I'm going to jinx them every time I do it, but I always buckle on a couple of them. No, joking no right I now. had
2: a lot of, uh, I had a lot of Jerome Ford this year. I had a lot of, um, and that one actually worked out because that he wasn't drafted to be a star. Obviously, Nick Chubb would have been the star. Uh, I had Amari, I had Elijah. I love Najoku, so I had Chief in a bunch of leagues. And then once it we got rolling, oh yeah, I had Joe Flacco and he was one of the hottest fantasy quarterbacks around. Ooh. So I was in I got made it to two finals out of my five leagues and won one of them, which was I was very pleased with.
1: I, I wanna ask something that's gonna lead into something I think Raleigh wants to ask. How you you took over for Doug Deegan, who did color commentary for years and years and years, decades, um, decades, yes. And now you're sitting next to the legend himself, Jim Donovan. How much do those two guys kind of quietly not like you? Because in your second year, we have eleven wins.
2: <laughs> I think everybody's just happy that we're winning. And, you know, like for me, it was such an honor to get this opportunity and to, you know, replace a legend like Doug Deacon, who was, you know, so synonymous with Brown's broadcasts. And I knew I could never be, you know, what Deke was. So I just tried to be the best version of myself I could be, but you know, I, I pinched myself and, and Jim and I, you know, given everything he's been through, I think we've gotten, you know, close the last couple of years, certainly. And I knew him from being on the sidelines and we'd travel together and all of that. But, You know, we've really gotten closer. He's such a special human being. He is a, he's a treasure to this city. I I don't think that, I I just kind of pinch myself sometimes. And I think it's funny, you know, they release those videos in the booth every week of, you know, one of the best calls or, you know, the end of the game calls. And we've had so many end of the game dramatic ones, but you know, you can tell I'm just like sitting there listening to him like a fan, you know, wanting to make sure I give him all the space in the world to say everything he wants to say, get it out before I come in and talk at all. But like, i'm smiling it's funny i get a lot of the, the tweets afterwards it'll be like find somebody to smile at you the way that nathan segura smiles at jim donovan but i mean <laughs> we're having we're having pure joy moments he's such a special guy what he has been through is it's so incredible that he came back i mean when he came back and smashed the guitar against sealers like we were all balling in the in the booth it was he's such a it's it makes me so happy for him that he was able to come back and do this and to be a part of it. By the way, we have not lost with Jim Donovan on the call this year. I uh, and I think that's we know. Yeah, and pretty we
1: special. were balling in the stands too at that game. I got to be uh, there. Man. Well, and I we both live in Chicago, not together, but so you know we go back for a few games, and it was great to be at that one. Um, and, and also, I mean, he looks great. He sounds great. Um, great. Obviously, the whole city been cheering for him, and you know, crying in the booth. I think we all cried. Uh, after week one, when they showed that, you know, uh, when he announced he'll be stepping away for a little while, then you were talking with him too. Like that was a powerful moment in that booth. Um, But man, that guy, like you said it, you know, uh, you don't have to know him as well as you do to see that guy just fights his ass off. And again, looks great. Sounds great. But yeah, I, it's so great to see him. Um, And obviously two of you together. So.
2: It's been so fun. He's so good too. He's, he really is so good. And I think we have really kind of, Fallen into a good rhythm together and and we're having a lot of fun it's been and this year has been magical this seems magical and so to have him come back and to you know beat leukemia again and get back into the booth and smash the guitar and have those moments and then have it just keep going on you know win after win after win and then him getting to be there like i thought it was so important that we clinched at home and i know people were like oh there are no clinching scenarios down in houston you know once the chargers lost and they were sad about it i said I kind of wanted it to be home. I want to be in front of these fans and I want Jim to be there. And at, we got all of that. That was a night I will never forget in my life. I asked Jim that earlier today because that's one of my top moments of my entire career was getting to announce the Browns go in the playoffs, the love from the crowd who was in front of us, kept turning around and just the whole stadium was electric. The city was on fire that night. It was awesome.
0: Hey, you had a great call at the end uh, talking about how Jim, the last time he called the playoffs was in the heat of COVID and he said, yeah, that iconic call, the only thing that's missing is all of you, but yeah. now you're all here, paraphrasing. But that was a great line, and uh, we, me and Kevin were talking about this. With you being next to him, that's got to be one of the most difficult jobs in that you're supposed to talk, but you're also sitting next to an icon like Jim Donovan. Like, what, what's the... When in doubt, don't say anything. And when do you chime something. in? When do you chime in? Yeah. Like, we talk so, over each other all the time like idiots, but <laughs> we're not sitting like next you to you make it other.
1: You make it look, obviously, easy, and you guys have a great chemistry, And but, like, w- when you first started, like, was intimidating. How do you know when to, you know, chime in and, and say something well, when, he's, when he takes a breath?
2: For sure. So, no, like, when we had the first game we ever did together was Cade York's 58-yarder, which seems like 300 lifetimes ago. And Literally. And when he made it, I made like a little like, yeah, I made like some crazy sound or whatever. And so people were setting that to the Titanic theme and all of that. And then when it went in, I made that little guttural sound. And so after that, I was like, I can't say anything. So if you notice when he makes, if there's a big touchdown play or certainly end of the game, he likes to kind of, he does like his first kind of comment, like the actual call of it. And then you want to let the crowd breathe and you want the crowd to be able to be able to hear the crowd through the radio because that kind of enhances, you know, the overall experience. And then usually he'll say like one more thing and then I'll kind of let it breathe, make sure he's done. And then I go because I mean, it's, it's a Jim Donovan show. And so I'm there to provide a little color, to provide some analysis. You know, certainly of the place. But in those big, big moments, that's that's his time to shine. He's so good at. And so I want to make sure like there's no doubt that he said all he wants And often, you know, he's looking at me, you've seen those videos, you know, he's looking at me, I'm laughing. Sometimes I'm hugging him on the back while he's going. And then, you know, then he'll stop and then I'll do a second part. And then, and then I know, all right, now I can, now I can hop in there and have fun. It It's not even anything I think about in the moment, to be honest with you. I'm just so used to doing it. And like a fan, I'm watching him. So it's like, I want to know everything he's going to say, how he's going to say it. And then once all that settles down, we'll listen to the crowd a little bit and then, and then I'll go ahead and hop in
0: well said i i I don't know how hard it would be One, i think one of the things that people love about you is that at the end of the day you are a genuine fan nobody can deny that same with donovan and you have your daily podcast mostly daily almost daily more daily than ours where whether this team is struggling whether they're on a heater you talk about the browns that's difficult and its own i imagine but In the heat of the moment, what's it like to have to sound professional when the Browns do something that piss you off and refrain from dropping an (laughs) F-bomb?
2: So two things. So, yeah, so I've done Cleveland Browns daily since 2013, as Kevin pointed out, and that would obviously mean I did it in 2016 and 2017 when we won one game. So imagine, you know, fortunately there are some vacations, but we'll use, let's call it 50 weeks a year, five days a week two hours a day so 10 hours a week about the browns in two seasons where we won one game so i've i think i've kind of evaporated that or eviscerated that from my memory banks and i'm just living in the pure joy of right now um but you know you can tell i think if you listen to the games you can tell when i'm not when i'm not happy with what's going on (laughs) i think you know i really appreciate that the company and the team has given me and jim both a lot of freedom to be honest at times i mean when the Jets game happened a year ago, you know, I was pretty critical of, you know, that kind of a collapse and, and what had happened there, but you know, you, it's never personal. You just, you say it. And, and I think at the end of the day, it's more not angry. It's more just frustration. Cause you just want the Browns to win. Like, this city is happier i'm sure you guys in chicago are happier this state is happier browns fans around the world are happier it's more fun to come to work in this building it's more fun to talk on browns daily it's more fun to see the players and talk to the coaches everybody's in a better mood winning is the ultimate panacea and so you just want that to happen and you want the joy and for me now that we're in the playoffs and it's been such a magical run, such a crazy season, overcoming so much adversity, the resilience of this team. You know, I can't say enough about it. I can't say enough about the job Kevin Stefanski's done, Andrew Barry's done. You know, guys like the Chief, who were, you know, forged in the flames and didn't miss a game. Like, that's insane. What he did is insane. The season he's having is insane. I couldn't be happier for him. I love the Chief dearly. I mean, I've known him since he was 20. Now he's, you know, 27, he's grown up in this league. He's grown up here with the Cleveland Browns, ups and downs, and to be one of the best players in the league and really kind of a real leader on this team has been awesome to see. So I think you always want it to be good. You know, you're never going to – and you're calling the action. So, like, you're involved in what's going on. And, yeah, there can be things that are frustrating. and It's like, ugh, you know, but I just love this team. I love this city. I love these fans. Now that we're in the playoffs, you know, I want nothing more than – Obviously, the Browns to win the Super Bowl because these best fans in the world they deserve it, and I feel like there would be no reaction for any team in the league, not even Buffalo. No reaction, like if the Cleveland Browns won a Super Bowl. I just think it would be, oh, it would be- city's gone,
1: city's
0: gone. Wait, We're starting over. Wait, wait, focus on that point, which I feel like we can laugh about it now. That Jets game, like when they recovered the onside kick or threw the last touchdown. I don't know how. You or Donovan don't just like you still speak through the actions. Yes, that's a feat. That's an accomplishment in itself. I would have thrown the microphone through the window and said, "I'm, yeah, I'm out." I quit
1: right there. Yeah.
0: No, I'm I out. think
2: like, I think maybe the the most the harshest I got was most. I was just like, this is just unacceptable. Like at this level of football, like to have you're up 13. It, it just doesn't happen. It does. It 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 doesn't happen. When I don't remember it was like 20. Only- 20- Three. only the Browns. Yeah. i knew i
0: knew rude when the media on tv when they started showing trailers wait, wait. of jurassic park from 1992 saying <laughs> like, this was the last time the browns were yeah. two and oh we can't you know, we have,
2: cool we to- you know what's cool though is that that and obviously it was a strange year last year for a variety of reasons but it feels like this year Those things don't happen anymore. And sure, we had crazy things happen in Houston. We have a kick return touchdown. They did recover an onside kick, but I mean, it was 34 to six or 37 to six, whatever it was at that point. 36 to seven, that's what it was. It doesn't matter. This year you have that magic. Like the things that used to happen to the Browns that felt like they don't happen anymore. Think about all the games we've won where it's like, We've seen the Browns lose this game, the Chicago Bears game. When we got the punt, they they muffed the punt, Diabate recovers it, and then Flacco throws the interception at the goal line, down 17-7 in the past, That would have been it, right? Yep. Oh, we'd seen that movie. Okay, all right, that's it. Not this team. They don't give up. They don't quit, and they believe, and the city believes. And I think one of the coolest things about this year is 8-1 and one at home. They've never won eight games at home, ever, in the history of the franchise eight games at home wins for fans. Like, and think about how important that is for generation, generationally speaking, like we've lost, you know, there were some dark years where you had a lot of kids who probably thought it wasn't very cool to necessarily be a Cleveland Browns fan. And so now this year, you know, you're bringing your kids to the game and they're seeing wins and it's electric. And this is a team that you can be so excited to root for and have so much fun rooting for. I think it's awesome. I I love this team. I think this particular team, this locker room is so, so special.
1: That's what I was gonna ask you next, is because you're closer to the team than most people. And just from the cheap seats where Raleigh and I sit, it just looks like these guys truly do enjoy hey, being around each other and playing together. They're sharing each other's Instagram stories and posts. They're putting up pictures of one another, like you know, the the goofy pictures that they catch someone in the locker room sleeping or something, you know. So is this where does this team rank in in terms of the closest, most fun teams to be around since you've been in Cleveland?
2: I mean, it's number one by far. And I think part of that's because they've been so successful. But I think the trip to the Greenbrier was really valuable for that in terms of kind of forging those bonds early on. And then you've had, you know, guys coming off the street. Now, Cream had been in our locker room before Flacco obviously had not. He had tormented us for years. Daron Harmon had not. And, you know, you talk to those guys, Daron Harmon, you know, three-time Super Bowl champion, with New England. Said, this locker room is special. Said I came in here, and he said, and he got up in front of the team actually before the the clincher against the Jets and told them, guys, this I've been there, I've been to the mountaintop three times. He goes, what's happening in this locker room is special. It's player-led accountability, great coaching, everybody's bought into the message, but they genuinely like and care about each other and nobody wants to let anybody down. And so you're seeing everybody doing everything they can to maximize their own talents. We've needed just about everybody in that locker room, and we've needed to heck people off their couches at various points, and they've come in. And so I think it's a real testament to... The locker room leaders, you know, talk to a veteran like Dalvin or Zadarius Smith, and they say, you know, this is a very player-led team in the sense that the players hold each other accountable. The players demand high standards of no matter who gets an opportunity. They're getting coached at an incredibly high level. I mean, I think you go in from just evaluating schematically, we are the more prepared team, it feels like, just about every single week. And if we're not, we're equally as prepared as somebody else who did a great job. But we're never underprepared. We're never out-schemed or out-chested, I would say, in one of these games. And I think that creates a very special environment. Players buy in when they know coaches put them in a good position to succeed. And then you've got a lot of guys who are accomplished. You have a good mix of young and old. And then it's great people. I think Andrew Barry and Stefanski and Depot were very... um not particular in who they went after, but very intentional in not only the skill sets of the players they acquired, but the personalities and the quality of the player as a human being that they acquired. And I think it's created kind of a, a little magical thing in the Browns locker room. So this is easy number one, not even, honestly, not even close to anything else. This is easily number one.
1: Speaking of Flacco, no, it was reported a hot mic or something caught his father on the field with him after the game on Thursday, after we beat the Jets, a clinch of playoffs. It was glorious and beautiful and downtown it was unreal. Um, he said to his son, Joe, I've never seen you have so much fun play football before. What, what do you chalk up the last several weeks to? How does Flacco come in, as we said, off the couch and just ignite this offense? Is it because he's playing with house money and he's just completely fearless He'll just fling that thing. And obviously the interceptions have been, you know, a part of that, but we're, we're surviving that. Like when someone asks you, who's not in the day to day with the Browns, like you are, how is this happening? How do you dumb it down and explain it?
2: Number one, Joe Flacco really talented. Like there's a, yeah. the that he can still play. He's got one of the best arms and throws one of the prettiest balls you'll ever see. So number one, he's got the requisite talents, Number two, he's been around the league for so long, he knows things. And so what I mean by that is he's able to take a very good pre-snap picture and then a very good post-snap picture and then understand what to do with the football. And he has still the ability to execute that. Uh, I think number three, I think he was starting to feel like maybe the game was over for him, been taken away from him, and certainly maybe the ability to play in meaningful games. And so to come back in and be able to do that for him, I think is a real treat to be able to play in these important games, in front of his kids, who never really got to saw him play when he was with Baltimore, you know, in his heyday, I think has been very special to him. I think from a football side of it, I think that he is very good at some of the things Kevin Stefanski is the best at scheming up and the best at sequencing throughout the course of a game. And so you look at you know what he's doing off a of play action. I think he's averaging 13 yards attempt, a quarterback rating around 130. Joe Flacco is great at that under center, back to the defense, hard play action game. And that's something that, you know, we really have not done at the elite levels, you know, under Kevin Stefanski. I mean, Baker had some good runs with it. It's not necessarily the most natural thing for Deshaun, who's operating the shotgun, but we even have some good shotgun play action concepts. But he is so good at those particular plays that it's leading to a lot of chunks. That's where the shot plays come in in, in this league. And so he's been phenomenal with that. And then the final part of it is, this city is special. And when he came in, after he, so we lost to the Rams, and we came home, we beat the Jags. So I was talking to him after that game. He went out to Mabel's on East 4th with his family after that game. Hmm. And like, they were just getting mobbed, right? And so I got to interview him later that week. And I said, are you more popular in Cleveland right now than you ever were in Baltimore? Because yes, he won a Super Bowl there, but those were always Ray Lewis's teams and Ed Reed's teams. And he was not necessarily kind of the face of it. And he laughed and he goes, You know, you, you might be right. He goes, It's crazy. The, the city is, he always says, Freaking, the city is freaking crazy. And how they've embraced him, a guy who tormented the team. I think he was 18 and three as a starter against the Browns, 17 of those wins coming with the Ravens. And, <laughs> They just they love him. And so I got to see him. It was very cool on Thursday after they beat the Jets. He did his his presser afterwards and I got to to talk to him in the hall for a second. And he's just having so much fun. He is living the dream, obviously. And he said to me, He goes, You know what? He goes, You were right. There's no doubt. He said, My family is like, what is going on here? You have never been this popular in your life, Joe. <laughs> and so he's he's enjoying it. And th- that's what makes this city special. It has that college feel. It has that love. And so I think it's a combination of perfect scheme fit for him. And he's also really good at executing that scheme. He's obviously come. He can throw the ball. And he's been great with Amari and Elijah and, and certainly the Chief. And then this, there's something about the city, the environment, that locker room that's adding kind of that special sauce to it. And what you get is is the magic that we're seeing, right? Like Joe Flacco is the first quarterback in the history of the Cleveland Browns to throw for 300 yards in four straight games, period. He's played five games with (laughs) Joe Flacco is the first quarterback in the history of the National Football League to throw for 250 yards or more and two or more touchdowns in his first five starts with a team ever. Peyton didn't even do that when he went to Denver and had that year where he threw for 12,000 yards and 98 touchdowns. Like, This is historic, it is special, and he is such a good dude. Like, he is so chill, so down-to-earth, and I think he really is truly having the time of his life being a part of this, and then this city and the way it makes players feel is its special. It's special. It's awesome.
1: I know we only got a couple minutes with you left here. And again, truly appreciate you coming on. Nate girl will have all of his contact info, the show, Cleveland Browns Daily, all that in the episode description. Where to find him on social media. Last question. unless Raleigh wants to ask one as well. Um, speaking of Joe, Amari, all these guys, is there any indication? I know Stefanski just kind of, you know, says nothing while using words to say it. Are we going to see these starters against uh, Cincinnati, do you think?
2: I really don't know. We'll know tomorrow when, when he addresses the media, I think we'll know we'll have a better idea tomorrow. So I was looking yeah. it up. Flacco always played the final game of the year in Baltimore. So I don't know if he wants to kind of keep the rhythm going. Um, yeah. But I think like anybody's got an injury, Amari with the heel, just let's get him right for the playoffs, right? That's, he, he just set the record. you know, the last time we saw him, he set the record two sixty uh, five yards, most receiving yards in a game in Cleveland Brown's history. Get him. I think anybody who's dinged up, get him healthy. I think they'll probably err on the side of caution. like you I don't think you'll see a lot of the big names. That would be my guess. I think that once you're clinched here and this is meaningless, you want to maintain the rhythm and the momentum and all that's great, but availability is the most important ability, and, and you got to make sure you get everybody there. All right, but I got a question, I got a question for you, Raleigh. What is the origin story of the American Hustle videos? When did you start doing it? And did you ever think that they would become like the phenomenon that they are? There are many people in this building, I can tell you, who look forward to them on Mondays. I told you about my group text earlier. Like, when did you kind of get, this idea why that scene why that music why all of it and it's awesome every week his
1: his head's already huge man you're killing me right now it's great it's
2: great stuff i'm telling you like obviously when when i was the one that i was in like my wife was like oh my god you made it i was like (laughs) it's like i I I didn't Tweet it was like mama i made it but it was, uh, <laughs> they're awesome. But seriously, where did that, where did the idea come from? Is it harder than people would think every week coming up with something, you know, fresh and whatnot? I, I, every week they're so entertaining. I love it.
0: Thank you. Um, Thank you for asking. First person to ask about it on air, uh, Zagur, let's go. Really? Um, Honestly, do think rocks? Yeah, I don't know. Normally we, Actually, normally we don't bring Brown's fans on or Brown's people normally bring- We bring,
1: we'll bring on the opposing teams. teams podcast to talk, so um, I guess, yeah. yeah. So to answer your question,
0: I'm above average funny, but I am second to none when it comes to knowing funny. I saw that movie before I had the account or started memeing yeah. in 2014. Overall, a good movie, but I remember that scene and thinking, this is one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen in my uh, life. And I'm like, there, when, when I started this account and then kind of getting into the text and movies thing, I'm like, when there's a special day, I'm going to use that meme for something, somehow. I don't know. And the first iteration was in like 2020 uh, okay. when we came back against the Bengals. Uh, we, that, that was the first time. And I, and I was doing it on my phone. So it was like a completely different level of quality. Like, I don't even think, I don't even know if I like dubbed over the audio or anything, but it did pretty well. And I'm like, that was good. We'll do it for another special victory, whatever. And then the Browns beat the Steelers to clinch the playoffs. And I did it that morning, the following morning, like, God, I hope this is funny. Or I hope this slaps. And Baker messaged me and started following me. Like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. I'm like, okay, we're on Uh, to something. Let's go. Uh, so as far as, is it harder than it looks at this point? Yes. Cause it's been done so many times. I'm like, yeah, right.
2: I'm you got to keep it fresh. Right.
0: I get cyber bullied early when it's not up there. Lickety split. And I'm like, okay, I don't know if people realize. I got a
2: buddy who's there. always like, where is it? Like what's know, going I'm like, on? Like, dude, I'm, I'm, sure I'm, I'm trying, trying to but I
0: honestly fear somebody being like, that one sucked. Like that, that'll that hey, break me. The,
1: the real MVP is your wife, Kate. Like yeah, just keep it up. putting up with
0: it. Yeah. Honestly, the, it, it's been a lot of spreading around like, okay, who deserves one? Who deserves a head nod? Who's going to be the bad guy? The bad guy could just be like, <laughs> I haven't thrown any hay. They've been pretty like relevant bad guys, but I'm like, yeah, okay. Trevor yeah. Lawrence, he didn't deserve it. Oh, that one guy got hit in the helmet. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Make it that guy. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's a there's kind of a rhythm with protagonist, antagonist, protagonist friends. Jimmy calls yeah. you. Call. The
2: best. Yeah, the friends are the best. And, the
0: guy. It was, it was tough. I, I did want you in on it, but yeah. you're tough because yours are good calls. But if I, I'm like, I started using the TV announcers because they sucked. I'm like, well, that that <laughs> slaps harder. That's an easier thing because if I do yeah. one with Nagura and people don't know that. Jimmy's not there. We're both
1: going to get cyber bullied. So it's got to be yeah. one that slaps and you earned it. That one. Um, yeah. I don't know. No, it's, if, if anyone's been living under a rock, we're talking about Raleigh's Instagram account, angry Browns fans. I oh, I hate giving him credit, but he does a hell of a job on there. Uh, and um, this
2: week when you're like, when you're like Al Michaels was kind of, uh, you know, not a, not a lot of energy. And then you, not get at all. It to, and then Donovan going crazy. It's over. It's over. The Browns are going to play out so good.
0: I, I thank you for noticing. I was because I was torn. I'm like, okay, this Al Michaels clip kind of sucks, but not
1: suck enough to outdo Jimmy. I, I told you the rewind you did was the best thing you've done. Thanks, man. Yeah. For but, sure. um, Mr. Zagura, once again, thank you, sir, very much. You know, you're extremely busy. Um, you do this 10 times more than we do on a day to day basis. Talking about the Browns three hours a day, I don't know how. Um, but I truly appreciate it do't don't,
2: hold on hold on only two hours a day don't give many ideas two hours a day that's perfect, <laughs> All right. perfect.
1: But, uh, thank you very much again sir. looking forward to hearing you the rest of the way. Uh, some big big games coming up looking forward to it um and yeah looking forward uh to some other good stories coming out of this season.
2: Well, Kevin, thank you for the most thoroughly researched introduction I've ever gotten. Raleigh, thank you for all you do for Browns fans, both of you guys. And thanks for having me on. It was this 33 minutes flew by. Happy to do it anytime.
1: Well, we appreciate it very much. And careful what you ask for. Right, see you next week. Yep. <laughs> for Nathan, for Raleigh, for myself. Thank you. This is the Boxmore podcast. And good night, Cleveland.